So glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. We're so glad that you are. So a little treat uh, this morning. I'm going to have at this time Steve and uh, Herlin and Micaela. There, that was pretty good, huh? I asked Steve to share with you uh, about the Philippines missions. And so very excited uh, to have him do so. So Steve, it's all yours. All right. Well, good morning. I just want to say aloha and thank you for the honor and privilege to uh, share with you this morning what the Lord is doing in the Philippines. The slides behind me uh, will give you a visual of how God is moving there. And thank the Lord for answered prayer as this body of Christ has blessed us by becoming a partner in God's mission in the Philippines. God is truly amazing. My name is Steve White. This is my beautiful wife, Herlin, and our charming daughter, Michaela. We are missionaries in the Philippines overseeing a ministry that currently touches nearly 900 people on the islands of Boracay and Panay. I'm a former businessman and Kaneohe resident. I previously sat on the board of directors for the North Shore Christian Fellowship in Haleiwa. That was until God called me on a journey, and what a journey it has been. In 2017, I went on a short-term mission trip as a widower to the Philippines. At the time, I had what I considered was the dream job. I worked from home. My boss was six time zones away. I had one customer in Hawaii and one in Alaska. I was comfortable. I was stockpiling my 401k. I was planning for a comfortable retirement. Well, during that mission trip, my life's plans began to change abruptly. Proverbs 16.9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but God directs his steps. <laughs> I soon realized that I was going in the wrong direction and the Lord was about to redirect. While I was there, I experienced and learned of the trials and tribulations of an impoverished people, some who had been outcast from society and considered to be untouchable. The Lord immediately began working on my heart. Suddenly, that comfortable lifestyle that I enjoyed back in Kaneohe became minimalized very quickly. And then the Lord imparted to me upon my heart what he spoke to the disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, when he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. What I have learned through my short life is when God says go, don't say no. <laughs> and so in 2018, I quit my dream job, sold my stuff, and answered the call to go, to step out in faith and to go share the gospel with whoever the Lord would lead me to. And that just so happened to be with a group of teachers, students, and community on the islands of Boracay and Panay. God had given me a whole new life, a whole new direction, a whole new plan. On the island of Boracay is the Jubilee Academy, a tuition-ran school which serves the workers of the island community. The unique thing about this school is that it is positioned right in the middle of a Muslim village. More than 25% of our students are Muslim children. They participate in our chapel services, the, the word of, and they memorize the Word of God by, by reading Scripture. We share with them and their parents the love of Jesus. 
On the island of Panay is the Masa Ati School, a school exclusively for the indigenous tribe of Ati, otherwise known in the region as the untouchables. This is a community of people who have been shunned by society because of their dark skin, an unreached people group living in the shadows of society, tucked away in the foothills, many struggling for their next meal. We also oversee a seminary program for pastors and church leaders in the surrounding region. Each month, we fly in missionaries or professors from Manila to lecture for two and a half days. In 10 months, the attendees receive a certificate in four years, a seminary degree. We house them and we feed them. They only pay for their transportation to the island. And so our, as our Lord provides, he most certainly provides for the unexpected as well. In 2019, he blessed me with Herlin and Michaela. When I had first met Herlin in 2017, she'd been leading the feeding programs on Boracay for the previous four years. I got to witness how she loved on the children. She would lead the kids in praise, worship, and prayer, and teach them Bible stories. She would love on the children whose parents were absent and were neglected, living in the shadows with other relatives. The love that she shared with those kids became powerfully contagious, and on August 31st, 2019, we became a family. And as an added blessing, it was the first time in my life that I got to be called dad. <laughs> Today, the ministry continues to grow throughout the community, the latest being a ministry for the Ati College students. We encourage them to live God's promise of giving them a future and a hope to break the bondage of poverty, and to find freedom from being an outcast in the community that they live in, to know that they have a father who is the great I am. God is always looking to bless and provide in ways we could never imagine, but that requires action from us. We have to rise up and answer his call, to step out and go in faith. Now, that doesn't always need to be to the ends of the earth. There's a mission field right here among you in your own backyard. You can go to your coworkers, go to the community you live in, go to the school board. Go and be the light of the world as Jesus commanded us. Remember, when God says go, don't say no. His plans are much greater than ours. God bless you all, and thank you for being such an amazing part of what God is doing in the Philippines. Marming salamat sa inyong lahat. To God be the glory. At this time, I'm going to have Pastor Mac and Pastor Leitu come up. We're going to lay hands on them, pray for them. If you would, please join with me. Oh, Lord, you are so good. Yes. You are amazing, God. You are awesome. We. We are in awe of you and how you call us to go <laughs> and not say no. That was good, by the way. I'm stealing that, just so you know. <laughs> Lord, we mm. want to ask you for just the, the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon mm. Steve, his wife and daughter, and Lord, go before them. We yes, know you Lord. are for them, and you are doing as only you can. Yes, Lord. Thank you, miraculous, grand, and glorious oh, things there in the you. Philippines. And that we as a church body oh. get to be a part of that is you, what an honor for us and a privilege. Oh. And 
really too high for our understanding. Mm -hmm. So Lord, we just want to be found faithful. And thank you for this faithful servant, for him being here today to be able to share with us. And I just pray that we would pray as mm -hmm. often as you would bring them to mind, that put them on our hearts, that we would pray for them. This, this is the front lines. And of course, the Philippines is precious here for us in Hawaii. And so please, Lord, do a great work as you even now are. And we ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. You are welcome. I did pretty good with your name, didn't I? You did. Practiced the whole time. I want you to know. So precious. Isn't God good? Oh my goodness. We get so kind of tunnel visioned, as they say, in our own little world. And here God is doing grand and glorious things all over the world. And oh, praise the Lord. All right. So this is first service. As you know, we do our weekly Bible prophecy updates. And second service, which will be at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time, live streamed, is the actual sermon. It's a verse-by-verse -verse study through the Word of God. We're currently in Second Peter in the last chapter, chapter 3. And guess what we're going to talk about today? Okay, I'll have to tell you, I guess. Is it? Yeah, it's up there. The rapture. Yeah. It's uh, still happening, contrary to what you might have been told. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's happening. And yeah, we're going to talk about that. But we're going to address the issue <laughs> of those who mock the rapture, specifically as it relates to why they mock and how they mock the rapture. So that'll again be at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. Hope you're able to join with us. For those of you that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd encourage you to go directly to the website, jdfrog.org. There you will find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, we're going to get to it. Got a lot to get to today. What I want to do is try, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to make some sense of what's happening in the world today. Uh, specifically, this Asbury revival, uh, the threat of World War III, and the increase of these massive explosions, just to mention a few. That's all we have time for. <laughs> Actually, we don't even have time for all of that, but we're going to do this. The only way anyone can make any sense out of anything is vis-a-vis -vis the Word of God and the God of the Word. So may I trouble you to join me in the book of Revelation, 
uh, chapter 3, the first three verses. This is the fifth of seven churches that Jesus has John write to, the church in Sardis. Verse 1, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the word ergon, from where we get our English word energy. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. The Greek word for that is nekros, where we get our English word necromancy. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore, verse 3, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. So of the seven churches, Sardis is actually among the most interesting, and this for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the history of this city. The location of Sardis was seemingly impenetrable because it was positioned ever so securely, surrounded by these steep, unscalable walls. However, it was conquered the same exact way two times in history. Once in the year 549 BC, and then again in 214 BC. According to historians, one of the soldiers in the city dropped his helmet down the steep cliff wall, and the enemy was watching. When the soldier climbed down this hidden trail to retrieve his helmet, he exposed it to the enemy who used it to take the city. And here's what's interesting. Upon scaling the wall using this trail, they found Sardis with no watchman. Why? Because no need. Here we sit, invincible, unpenetrable, confident and secure in our position. Now nah, you're dead. You just don't know it yet. And interesting, every, I mean, down to the gnat's eyebrow, and yes, gnats have eyebrows, everything Jesus has John write to this church, they would have got it. When He says, be watching, they got that. You think you're alive, but you're dead, they got that. Everything He writes here has application 
to the situation within this church in this city. Even more interesting is the name which we know as the nature throughout Scripture. And when it comes to Sardis, the name Sardis carries with it the idea of escaping. Now, this will make sense in a moment. Now, the problem with Sardis was that they relied on the energy, ergon, of their own strength and rested on the laurels of their past reputation of being an alive church. And this is why Jesus tells them that though they had made a name for themselves as being alive, they were actually dead. Thankfully, Jesus lovingly explains to them why this happened, and perhaps more importantly, what they could still do before it's too late. So let's first tackle the why. It's found in verse 1. And by the way, this is one of the 278 of 404 verses in Revelation that reference or allude to the Old Testament. Actually, many years ago, uh, Chuck Missler, uh, who was a good friend of mine, told me that he thinks it's actually more than that. But let's just say, for purpose of discussion, that 278 of the 404 verses in the book of Revelation have reference to the Old Testament. It's been said that the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. And by the way, these churches, when they received these letters, would have understood this. Why? Because they knew their, their Bible. They knew the Old Testament Scriptures. So as we're about to see, when Jesus talks about the seven spirits of God, what? No, they, they got it. They would have known. Oh, he's referencing Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. That's Jesus. And verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord, one, shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, two, and understanding, three. The Spirit of counsel, four, and might, five. The Spirit of knowledge, six, and of the fear of the Lord, seven. That's the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. This is why Sardis was dead, which when understood will make sense out of what remained in order that they might escape. Notice in verses 2 and 3, packed full, starting with be watchful, first and foremost. Strengthen what remains in the Lord's might, not in your own might, your own strength, the energy, ergon of your own strength. No, it's in the power of His might. And this is interesting because He doesn't say, remember what? He says, remember how. Why is that 
interesting because he's unlike the other churches saying, remember how you received the Holy Spirit that you're not relying upon now, that you've basically replaced with the flesh. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul in pleading <laughs> in his letters about how that they had begun in the Spirit, but now they're trying to finish it up in the flesh. Who's bewitched you? You, you, you started off right, Sardis. You, you, you even have a reputation for being alive and having the Holy Spirit. And so remember how you received the Holy Spirit, Sardis, Christian. And then hold fast. And then here's the R word. Wait for it. Repent. Turn. Do a 180. Well, that's the what. In addition to, I mean, the, the why, He also, Jesus, includes an if. Did you see that in verse 3? He says, if they don't, then He will come upon them as a thief. Interesting choice of words. Now the question becomes one of, <laughs> how does all of this apply to Bible prophecy and make any sense of what's happening today? I'm glad you asked. You asked, right? Okay. At the risk of an <laughs> oversimplification, the application is that of Jesus warning us to be watchful for our escape when He comes to rapture us. Stay with me, please. Here's how I get there. This idiom Jesus uses of coming as a thief in the night at an hour they know not, speaks to the paramount importance of watching. This warning is for those who have ears to hear, O oh, would to God, that we would be among those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. What's the Spirit saying to the church today? Be watchful, because Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. And sadly, the church today is like the church in Sardis of that day. Nobody's watching. Why is nobody watching? Because no need. No need. Uh, they will still be caught up in the rapture if they're born again, but they're going to be caught off guard by the rapture, just as a thief who comes in the night catches the owner of the house off guard. This uh, thief in the night, let's not run, rush past it. Let's think about it. When was the last time you ever had a thief like text you ahead of time or call you and say, hey, 2 a.m., good time for you? Be expecting me, I'm coming. No. 
Now, I, that's, listen, if you got, again, a better illustration, I'm happy to use it, but that's the best I got. So there you go. But think about that. If, if, if I don't know when, that's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, the thief is not going to warn you ahead of time, I'm coming. Because if you knew that He was coming, I mean, you're watching. Let's do this. Bring it. I got um, pit bulls and Doberman pinchers, and I won't say what else I've got, but <laughs> you get the point, right? I'll be ready. There you go. You see what Jesus is saying? See, if you're watching, then you won't be caught off guard when, not if, He comes. Can you make that connection? That's what Jesus is saying. See, they're not watching, because they're not expecting Him to come. Why are they not expecting Him to come? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. This brings me to the question of how does this help anyone make any sense of anything that's happening in the world today? And this question is answered when I view all that's happening in the world today through the lens of the rapture happening any day. Let me explain. If like Sardis, I fancy myself as secure and comfortable and confident, well then I'm self-deceived. I deceive myself and believe that, oh, Jesus is not coming yet. Enter the much talked about Asbury revival, which at its core is not so much about Jesus isn't coming yet. It's more about Jesus can't be coming yet. And here's why. A last day's revival, which by the way is not prophesied in Scripture, is the core tenet of false prophets and teachings of NAR. NAR is the acronym for New Apostolic Reformation. And with NAR you also have IHOP, not the pancake place, International House of Prayer. They have this one thing in common. They falsely teach that Jesus cannot come until there's a worldwide revival first. Is this starting to make sense? This has its roots in dominion theology or kingdom now theology. And it's clothed very seductively, and I'm choosing to word it that way for a reason. It is very seductive, because after all, who among us does not want revival? It's, it's, we long for it. We pray for it. So in that, and the enemy knows that. So you can get drawn in. It's very seductive. And it comes by way of what's known as the seven mountains mandate. What's that? Well, 
It's this false teaching that Christians must take dominion of and bring revival to seven areas to take over the world. For Jesus, so Jesus can come. I just sign in here, by the way, I'll just save you the time. Spoiler alert. That's not how it ends. What are those seven areas? Watch this. Arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, especially government. Let's get our guy in office. If we can get our guy in office, we can turn this thing around. Uh, I'm sorry, the Titanic is going down. And you might be campaigning for make the Titanic float again. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. So we got to take dominion over government, get Christians in office, and media. How's that working out for you? (laughs) And interesting, religion. Oh, that's foreign to biblical Christianity. Do you see the, the uniting together the whole world? One now, under this banner. For those who are interested, I'll refer you to the Lighthouse Trails Research Project's website and this post last Tuesday, the 21st, of a letter to the editor raising concerns about the Asbury revival being pre-planned, pre-planned. Here's a brief quote. The following letter to the editor from a Lighthouse Trails reader raises valid concerns about circumstances surrounding the Asbury revival. While Asbury University personnel and numerous secular and religious media outlets say that the revival is pure, unplanned, organic, and unexpected. It turns out an NAR IHOP connected group had been planning a revival event at Asbury days before it began. Lighthouse Trails does not question the sincerity of those at the Asbury gathering who may be truly committing or recommitting their lives to the Lord in humility, repentance, and reverence, but is concerned about harmful exploits that can potentially hurt many, while calling something a move of God that in reality may be a pre-planned event, which could become part of a false revival. Now, when one understands this, then it starts to make sense. Um, If my theology and eschatology says there has to be revival before Jesus can come, well then wouldn't it stand to reason that we would want to get this show on the road? What show? The revival show. Because see, Jesus can't come until there's revival. So let's have a revival. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> Back in the day, you might remember, they would have these tent revivals. Revival, 7 p.m. Tuesday night. Oh, really? 
you must be connected, because apparently the Holy Spirit has scheduled this for 7 p.m. on, no, no. That, you know what that is? That's a manufacturing of something in the flesh, the energy ergon of the flesh and not the Spirit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should we just bow our heads, close our eyes? You can leave and we won't, except the guys in the parking lot will uh, lay hands on you actually uh, out there, in Jesus' name, of course. Now, <laughs> let me hasten to say that God can use anything, anytime, anywhere to bring anyone to salvation and or repentance, even with this. It's kind of interesting, because I mentioned that I was going to be talking about this today on Thursday night, and I was just remembering <laughs> in 2020, three years ago now, three, that <laughs> um, I had kind of mentioned I was going to do an update on QAnon prior. I shouldn't have done that, because I was inundated, and I mean inundated, by well-intentioned brothers and sisters in Christ, and I say it that way affectionately. They meant well, but they were basically telling me, no, this is the Lord. This is God. This is biblical. No, it's not. No, but there's a great awakening. No, that's new age. That's the age of Aquarius. We're in Pisces, but the new age believes in a great awakening. It's not a great awakening or a great revival. That's not what my Bible says. So I was, I mean, blasted. I haven't even done the update yet. I thought, man, what's going to happen after I do it? Well, it was, even, it was even worse. And this, of course, on a smaller scale, same thing. I mean, I got emails from people saying, Pastor, you're quenching the Spirit. No, I'm not. I'm discerning the Spirit. This isn't a quenching of the Spirit. This is discernment of spirits. Some don't smell quite right. Accent and emphasis added. <laughs> I want to draw your attention to this website for Asbury University, pictured here. It was founded 130 years ago in 1890. Why is this important? Because they have a long history of planned revivals over the years. It seems that they have had eight such revivals dating back to, get this, the year 1905, which was 108 years ago in this very place. Prior to this one this year, which would, by the way, make it a total of nine revivals over the years, the last one was also in February, hmm. 17 years ago, back in the year 2006. Most notable among these revivals, so-called, was 
in the year 1970, which was 53 years ago. Now, please know that I have no desire to offer yet another opinion, which I basically already did. <laughs> you know what opinions are, right? They're like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they sometimes stink. So, but oh my goodness, there are no shortages of, I mean, everybody has an opinion about this, which in and of itself is kind of telling, if you ask me. And instead of telling you what I think, that's the last thing, by the way, you want to know. I wonder what JD thinks. No, you don't want to know what I think. <laughs> uh, or worse yet, how about me telling you what you should think? So not only am I going to tell you, well, I think, I don't care what you think. You know, this is parenthetical. I might as well. Why not? I, I, I'm getting to the place now in my walk with the Lord where um, it used to really get to me. The Lord knows my heart on this. When someone would say, well, I don't agree with you. I was like, oh, really? You don't agree with me. <laughs> and then the Lord checked me on it. He's like, oh, who do you think you are? Well, they don't agree with me. It doesn't matter. What do you mean? It doesn't matter if they don't agree with you. In fact, the only thing that matters is, do you agree with this? You don't agree with me? Cool. Let's agree to disagree agreeably, but let's make sure at the end of the day that we're in agreement with the Lord and His Word. That's all that matters. Well, that's your opinion. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry for the dramatization. But so I'm not going to tell you what I think. I guess I already did. Sorry. I'm not going to tell you how you should think, but here's what I am going to tell you, how to think slash discern. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to present a list that I put together of eight questions that we need to ask ourselves concerning Asbury, or for that matter, anything else that comes along. Question number one, does it have as its foundation the gospel of salvation found only in the person of Jesus Christ? Number two, does it reach the lost in the sense that it's not exclusively in the Christian arena, as it were? Because when the Holy Spirit moves, and we want the Holy Spirit to move, it, it, it's, it's to reach the lost for Jesus. Number three, does it focus on spiritual experience? Or does it focus on the person of Jesus Christ, listen, whom the Holy Spirit points to? The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, does not point to the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit points us to God the Son, Jesus the Christ. 
So if it's all about the Holy Spirit and there's no Jesus, problem. Number four, how you doing so far? We all, we're almost there. Does it lend itself to emotionalism and hyper-Pentecostalism at the expense of sound doctrine? This is important. Let me expound on this for just a moment, if you don't mind. It's the experience. Oh, wow. Did you watch some of the live stream? Man, they're praising the Lord. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh. It's so moving. It's so touching. It's, it's so wonderful. Well, again, the question is, is that Jesus or is that emotion? emote. There's an emoting. There's, a, there's an emotional dynamic and component at the core of it. And I mean, it, it lends itself to that saying, I know you've heard it, and perhaps even like me said it, how can something that feels so good be so wrong? Easy. It's not a walk of feelings, it's a walk of faith. The righteous shall not live by feelings, but by faith. And what's faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which is yet unseen, and can I also say unfelt. Man, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it, man. Oh, really? So we're basing everything on how you feel? Feelings. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. I had a flashback. I'm back with you now. One more thing on this, we'll move on. Hyperpentecostalism and sensationalism and charismania, as it's been called. This is a, the, the charisma, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is not using the gifts, this is abusing the gifts. So now all of a sudden it becomes about the experience and, oh, God told me. What? See, now what you've done is you've elevated the rhema, Greek word for spoken word, over the logos, the Greek word for the written word, now it superseded it. So emotion supersedes doctrine. Experience supersedes. I mean, listen, I've, I've had moving experiences that had nothing to do with God. Yeah, I'm going to leave that one right there. Don't, don't use your imagination on that one. I'm, I'm moved. I'm Wow, what, a, what an experience. But it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. Number five, does it have the markings of being manufactured in the energy, ergon, of the flesh to further an agenda? In this case, a false doctrine. And number six, you're going to have to hear me out on this one. Does it provide a platform for promotion of 
and acceptance with the LGBTQ community. Oh, pastor, what? Well, you can do the research yourself. I would encourage you to. Don't take my word for it. But upon closer examination, you'll find that the people that are on that stage, they are very uh, overt about it. Go to their social media pages. That's who's up there leading worship in this experience. And it kind of goes along with what we talked about last week, the He gets us. It's kind of, it's the wrong Jesus. It's a false Christ that says, okay, you're okay, I'm okay, we're okay. He gets us, He loves us. No, you're not okay. Because see, if you do that, then you don't, this is hard to say every time I try to say it, and please don't do it. This is uh, <laughs> hyperbole, but you ha you're going to start ripping out a lot of pages in your Bible. Better start with Romans 1. I said, how about, don't rip out 1 Corinthians, don't rip out anything, but how about when the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth goes through this list of, you know, homosexuality and all of these sins. And then he says, as were, were some of you. Translated, you got saved. And Jesus delivered you out of that lifestyle that was destining you for hell. But see, this Jesus this false Jesus and this false revival says, no, you're good. It's all good. You're not good. Number seven, does it require that I go to a specific location in order to experience a specific sensation? I was kind of taken back by all the people that were flocking to this thing traveling great distances so they could be there. Listen, God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. You think God has to book a flight to Kentucky to be there on time? And He's there. Well, if He's there, He can't be. No. This is a profaning again of God, bringing God down to man's level. And lastly, number eight. Does it create confusion and division within the body of Christ? We know that God is not the author of confusion. If there's confusion, and I mean any confusion, the Lord's not in it. This is very confusing. It's very confusing, especially to young believers. How about non-believers? They look at something like that and think, hmm, it's confusing. It's not the Lord because Satan is the author of confusion. He's the father of lies, and he's the accuser of the brethren, all three. You know, whenever there's any talk about revival, which again, please know that <laughs> I know that God can and even is using something like this. As one aptly said it, God can take a crooked stick and draw a straight line. You don't believe that? Just look in the mirror. God can do anything with anything. He's not limited. 
So I, I, I can trust in the character of who God is and how God is, that He can use something even like this to bring people to Himself. But whenever there's any talk about this, and this is all anyone is talking about, I have to go back to God's Word. I have to anchor and settle and remind myself that when Jesus comes, He will find the antithesis of revival. And this is replete throughout Scripture. Luke 18, 8, when Jesus is teaching a parable, He says, I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, listen to this, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? That comports with another letter to another church, the church of Philadelphia. Jesus says to them, there's no rebuke for this church. There's only encouragement. Just, I know you're battle weary, Philadelphia. You've not denied my name. You've kept my word. And I'm going to keep you from the tribulation, the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. That's a pre-tribulation rapture. And, and he says to them, I, I know you have little strength. Well, they're telling me that the church is going to rise up, be strong. That's not what Jesus said. You have little strength, but just hold on, because I'm coming quickly, coming quickly. But that's the the church that Jesus is going to return to, not this one. In fact, let me, <sighs> one more thing. Did I already say one more thing? I did. Okay. One more, one more thing. And I want you to think this through with me. We've talked about this before. If, let's just say if this were true, do you realize the implications of this? That means that like Sardis, I might as well hunker down and rise up and resist and fight and take dominion over and bring about and take over and all of the above. Because now you've just delayed my master's coming. So I'm in Sardis, my own Sardis Christian life, and I'm thinking, hey, no hurry, no worry. No, <laughs> hurry and worry, He's coming. Yeah, but see, if all of this has to happen first, then He, he can't come right now. So why am I watching? Do you see how I connected that? Well, this brings us to making some sense out of the current threat of World War III, which now seems to be a very real possibility. Thankfully, we can go to the Word of God and make sense of this by virtue of how many prophecies speak to this, chief of which is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. This is Jesus when He's 
sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples come to Him privately, and they ask Him really a threefold or three-part question about what will be the signs of the end, your return when you do come, and the end of the age. And interesting that Jesus would say first and foremost this word, watch out, watch, be watchful that no one deceives you. In other words, deception. All of these other things on my list, this is first and foremost, watch out for deception. The thing about deception is, I know this is deeply profound, it's very deceiving. <laughs> okay, I'll just leave it right there, Lord. So he goes on then, and he lists these things that will mark the time of the end. And he says, do not be deceived. Many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Jesus is over here. Jesus is in Kentucky. Jesus is in wherever. And then he goes on, and he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, better translated threats of war. So this is again two parts. You're going to have wars, but there's also going to be along with those wars, threats of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And then he says this. He likens all of this on this list to birth pains. And he says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. By way of a preface to this, please know that, again, I know that the media is all scripted. It's all pre-planned propaganda and has been from virtually its inception, as evidenced by the CIA's Project Mockingbird. Knowing and understanding this makes sense out of yet another threat of war, just as Jesus said there would be in increasing frequency and intensity, which is what birth pains are. And Jesus is likening His return to birth pains and the baby being born. The closer you get, the more intense and frequent are the birth pains. So <laughs> while this particular propaganda piece is from the Mirror UK, any and all news outlets are parroting the same script. What's the script? Well, last Tuesday's script came from one Vladimir Putin, who warned of a World War III global conflict as he issued a, quote, nuclear threat. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said would happen. And it's happening, just as He said it would in greater frequency and intensity. This actually ties into the third and last thing that we're going to try to make some sense out of. And it's that of the increasing of these massive explosions. So we'll go ahead and end the live stream at this time. And 
redirect you to the website. So here again, when one views things like this through the lens of the rapture of the church happening at any time, then it makes sense. It comes into focus. And conversely, if you don't believe that the rapture can happen at any time, then this makes no sense. Here's how I get there. What we're seeing makes sense if Satan is both possessing and using his agents to poison land, air, sea, and also you and me. You like that? I, I worked on that all week. No, think about that. The reason He does so is because He comes only, Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. Why does He want to destroy God's creation? Because He hates God's creation. And He particularly hates you and I, because we were made in the image of God. And this explains the deliberate destruction of food and water supplies. And it also explains the deliberate destruction of humankind. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most insidious ways of this aforementioned poisoning of air, land, and sea, and you and me. It would have to be what's sprayed in our skies, as is thoroughly documented by Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org. Um, again, just think this through with me. You poison the air it gets into the land, the food supply, and the water supply, and you poison, as such, mankind. And that's what they're doing. These are people who have been possessed by Satan. They're demon-possessed. They're carrying out His bidding, exactly as God said they would at the time of the end. And they're poisoning to kill, to destroy. They want to destroy all the food supply. They want to destroy the water supply, and by extension, destroy us. Every Saturday, Dane posts weekly updates on his YouTube channel. Also, for those of you that are interested, free of charge out front, we have materials, if you would like to avail yourself of those. But the bottom line is that this is all part of an evil agenda, and it seems to have revved up as of late. Again, like birth pains, it's increasing in frequency and intensity. So much so, did you hear about this? Three explosions in one day. Talk about revving up. This is from Reuters Thursday, quote, three fires broke out on Thursday at different facilities in Mexico and the United States operated by state-owned Mexican oil company Pemex, leaving five missing and eight others injured as of Thursday evening. 
Five people were unaccounted for after a fire at a storage facility. Oh, hmm. Wish they would have had tracking devices. Hang on. So five people were unaccounted for after a fire at a storage facility in the state of Veracruz that had sent three others to a hospital. The company said in a statement, the cause of that fire, which had been put out, had not yet been determined. Oh, is that so? Come on. Come on. They're burning everything down. They're destroying warehouses. They're, they're killing farmland, destroying farmland. They're scorching everything, destroying everything. The supply chain, everything. <laughs> it's important to understand that this and the many others like this were subsequent to the train derailment and poisonous chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio. We talked about this last week. Totally scripted, pre-planned. I mention this because it was brought to my attention this last week that last year on October the 17th, 2022, East Palestine was targeted for ID tracking, which was pre-planned some four months prior to the planned chemical explosion and release. This according to WKBN in a report titled, East Palestine Switching to My ID Emergency Service. Here are some quotes. East Palestine is known as the place to be. No, it's not. It's way ahead of the curve on a program to provide better treatment for anyone in the event of an emergency. Oh, how convenient. We learned how it works and how it could help everyone in East Palestine. My ID provides quick medical information for emergency responders. My ID works by taking a camera phone and pointing I'm sorry, at a QR code that's going to be antiquated, obsolete technology, because it'll just be in you, not you. It provides valuable medical information, such as allergies, breathing difficulties, or any other medical conditions, so you get proper treatment and care. There are a few options for my ID, a bracelet, key fob, necklace, or attachment on your watch band. No, thank you. You can choose the one that fits your lifestyle best. Orders will start in January. That's last month. East Palestine Fire Chief Keith Drabick told WKBN, my goal, listen to this, is to have 100% of our residents and the citizens we serve in the township to have one of these and be working with them to make sure that we can treat them better and provide the best services that we get. There's a three-year plan, 2022-2025, to get my ID going across the village and make it available to all 4,700 residents. That's a small town. Um, hmm. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to get 100% of the people 
to get one of these. Oh, I know. Let's schedule a disaster. This is textbook. Problem, reaction, solution, Hegelian dialectic. And this in the sense that it all starts to make sense when you understand that my ID was not created for the explosion. The explosion was created for my ID. Do you see how that, does that make sense? I mean, the title of my update, please help me with this, is Making Sense. <laughs> Am I making sense in an update about making sense? It also makes sense concerning COVID-19. This so-called vaccine, it wasn't made for COVID-19. COVID-19 was made for this so-called vaccine. I've shared documents over the last three years on this. They had this already in 2017, 2016, even prior to that. By the time 2019 came around, they thought, man, we better get this show on the road again. Because the only way we're going to get people to accept this death shot, which is what it is, is if we release something that will make them stand in line to get it. And here's what's happening. Here's the end game. People are dying. They're dying, man. And chiefly because it's a poison. Whether it's from the injection, or the air we breathe, or the water we drink, or the food we eat. But God, whew, this is meant for evil, but God means it for good and the salvation of many this day. I'm going to end the way we began and simply say that the only way anyone can make any sense out of anything is by way of the Word of God. Please, 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 I beseech you. <laughs> I, I beg you, please. We're living in a day now in this last hour that is most unforgiving of not knowing the Word of God. If it were possible, even the very elect will be deceived but not if you know the Word of God. When you know the Word of God, you, you use the Word of God to gauge, test everything that's happening. You say, oh, yeah, right here. Okay, that makes sense now. Wow, they're, they're dying. Yeah, that, that's right here. Yeah, they're, they're poisoning. Yeah, that's right here too. They're being deceived. That is here, 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 <laughs> throughout. And here's the thing. It's prophetic. It's Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy tells us all of this will happen at the time of the end. Why? Because Jesus wants us to know. 
He wants us to be watching. He wants us to be ready. It's almost like He said, hey, I know the thief didn't text you, but I'm texting you. He's coming. Anytime now. Be watching. Be ready, so you're not caught off guard. John 13, 19. Listen to Jesus. I am telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am He. I am the I am. In other words, and He says it again in John 14, 29, one chapter more, I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. In other words, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it begins to happen, you're going, haul, because you're local. <laughs> That's how you say it. I'm having too much fun with it. That's like my favorite thing to say. I just want you to know. Oh, it just sounds so haw. Yeah, haw. He told us this would happen before it happened. Who does that? Jesus. And then it's happening. I know. He told you. I believe you better because it's happening. Luke 21, 28. Jesus again. Please listen to Jesus. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Can I say that this is our escape? The rapture has been called the great escape. And you've probably been called names because of it. I know I have. Oh, you just want to escape. I'm like, yeah, you don't? We're going to escape the coming wrath. The Church of Philadelphia, you're going to escape this. You're not going to go through this. I'm going to take you out of this, spare you from this. Man, I, where's that escape? Oh, it's coming. It's coming. So you've got kind of a, a, again, a twofold promise and prophecy here. For the non-believer, I've told you what's going to happen before it happens, so that when it happens, you'll believe. For the believer, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it begins to happen, you're going to look up and go, all right. Okay. <laughs> We're out of here. And the much needed effect is it takes my focus off of this world and the things of this world. It loosens my ever tightening grip on this world and the things of this world. I no longer have a dog in this hunt. Is that, is that the right metaphor? Or a horse in this race? Anyway, you, you fill in the blanks, whatever metaphor you want. I, I'm not tethered to this world anymore, because this world is in my home. I'm going to be taken out of this place. I can't wait. And any time now, by the way, Lord, come quickly. It's getting bad. I know. I'm coming. I'll take you out of there. Well, that's second service. I'm not going to I don't have time to. Anyway, don't look at your watches yet. We're almost done. Can I just end with the gospel? 
of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ and the ABCs of salvation, which is a childlike, simple explanation. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned. Otherwise, why would you have any interest or need for the Savior? Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one, save one, Jesus the Christ. Romans 3.23 explains why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Romans 6.23 takes the bad news first, which is important, and it packages it with the good news. What's the bad news? The wages of sin is death. We, we all have the death sentence pronounced. We're guilty as charged. We're all guilty of breaking God's law, falling short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. But the gift of God, good news, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does that work? Because He purchased with His blood my eternity, and He offers this gift to me that He paid for in full. It's paid for. It's finished. And He offers me this gift, eternal life. The B, very central, is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C, lastly, is for call upon the name of the Lord, or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why, verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13, and there's a flow here, right? We come to that realization that I'm a sinner, I need the Savior. And then you put your trust in Him, you believe in Him, and then you call upon Him. And all who call upon the name of the Lord will, will be saved. The jury is not out, the verdict is in, the price has been paid in full. It is finished for you and for me. Today's But God testimony comes from Randy Burnett, who writes, Dear Pastor, for starters, please forgive the grammar, not much of a letter writer. Second, thank you and please your staff for my exemption letter a couple years back and receiving it in a timely manner at that. The principalities of darkness sure knew when I received it, my company never required one, but I kept it hidden because my wife stepson and his fiance at the time all were vaxxed. Well, after receiving it, the pressure was extremely bad. After several weeks of fighting with them about my beliefs against it, the pressure from them became more and more unbearable. 
my wife was on the verge of divorcing me. Now, I've already been through a very horrible divorce once. They used also the tactic of how I'm not vaxxed. I will catch COVID and give it to my grandchildren and kill them. I did not wish to go through another divorce. So I guess for nothing more than selfish reasons and not an ounce of faith. That's okay. When we're faithless, He's faithful. I took the first two shots. Fast forwarding, I can only give God glory for this next bit. My wife has had four shots now, and my daughter-in-law three. My stepson and I have only had the initial. Now, my daughter-in-law got COVID last May 2022, after getting her booster. But this last December 2022, First, my wife, again, after being on her second booster, got COVID, giving it to my daughter-in-law for the second time, in which giving to my stepson for a second time, infecting my youngest grandchild. The but God moment. Yes, please. (laughs) None of them got severely sick. I and my one grandson from the two, which is four, the other granddaughter who got COVID was one at the time. Anyway, my grandson and I never got it, nor only by God's grace and mercy. None of us have suffered any effects from the poisonous injection, his words. It was only by Jesus. I did not turn around to the three of them and play that game of, hmm, and who did you think was going to get the kids sick and kill them? But I really wanted to. See, I would have totally done that. In Jesus' name, of course. Anyway, again, please may you and your staff forgive me for wasting your valuable time. You are not wasting our time. I know you must have prayed over every letter that was sent. Thank you, Pastor JD. And please, I want you to listen to this last part. Please pray for my household, because despite all that, they are still not saved. Thank you again. Can't wait to see you in the clouds, Randy. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand? Capono, come on up. Oh, Lord. First, Lord, I want to thank you for the patience on the part of your people. I know we covered a lot of ground today, and but we needed to. And so, Lord, now it's up to you. Because you have to take all of this, and as only you can, by the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit, begin that process. And it is a process of applying it to our lives, building it. Because if we try in our own energy to do it, we labor in vain. So please, Lord, We're asking you to do this for us, because it's getting really bad, just as you said it would. And so many people are really hurting and struggling and even dying. Jesus, please, for anyone that might be here in this service or perhaps watching online that 
It's no accident, by the way. It's not coincidence. It's God's providence for such a time as this. This is your out. This is your only hope. This is your only escape from this lost and dying world. Jesus is your only answer. He is the way, the truth, the life. And there's no way to the Father except through Him. Won't you come to Him today and make today the day of your salvation, I beg you please, while there's still time. He's coming. He's coming. Be watchful. In Jesus' name, Amen.